I thought it might be a good idea to give the US Constitution another good read. Because really, you never know. I may have been lied to about that in school, right alongside the moon landings and the shape of the Earth. I checked. Mr. Rupert was right. But not about NASA or the globe. It turns out that my free speech is protected. That's what it says on paper, at any rate. We shall continue forward then, here and afterwards, with that assumption, and let my lawyer iron out the wrinkles or change the smelly diapers, in the case that somebody blames my work for their soggy bottom. In further preparation for this report, I watched a documentary about Jim Jones which, as you can imagine, given the title, will come to some use here, but not until I release the fourth part of my JFK to Jonestown report. For that, you will have to wait another few weeks, or episodes, whichever comes first. Everything you are about to read, or if you're listening to this podcast, listen to, started out as the intended third part in my The JFK Assassination Was a Hoax series. Before moving on, I suggest you listen to my two-part reports, Agent Zapruder and Frame 313 Exposed, episodes 13 and 14 respectively. Because you see, it was while researching the ridiculously fake Zapruder film that I drifted over to media footage surrounding the event. And here's my report. The JFK assassination was television. It wasn't good television. In 1963, it was simply television. Today, it is terrible television. But in 1963, they hardly knew the difference. I mean, we're talking Mr. Ed and the Munsters. If the electric hue of the god, scratch that, television, flickered to life and told Americans that the president's head exploded like a firecracker due to a Russian immigrant, then nobody thought to question it, obviously. Well, technically, many Americans did question the event, but only the parts which the god, scratch that, television, told them to question, because it was set up that way from the start. It was the television which spoke of a second shooter and also a magic bullet. But that's just another peel of the onion in the intended PSYOP. Because nobody died. And now for media coverage. Here's my terrible impression of Lee Harvey Oswald speaking to the press. Uh, duh. I was just standing in the hallway when they come and said that somebody shot the president. And then there's the guy walking down the hallway holding up a rifle for the press. The gun that shot the president! The gun that shot the president! Another terrible impression, I know. Not to mention the moment Lee Harvey Oswald was shot by Jack Ruby right in front of the press. I just saved you an entire paper. Pure theater. In 1963, Americans did not ever stop to consider how their bunny-eared television set was theater at its finest or else they would have undoubtedly questioned the very narrative they were handed. If any Americans did question the reliability of the Zapruder film and the narrative surrounding it, the press was not set up in such a way as to inform us. We are only ever given the illusion of choice. The thing is, when it comes to these productions, it's not necessarily the leading names on the playbill that should nab our curiosity, but the stagehands. For example, one of the doctors who treated Jack Ruby in prison was somebody named Colonel Lewis Jollyon West. It's just a name, mind you. Colonel Lewis Jollyon West. 
There's probably dozens of names surrounding the JFK assassination hoax with breadcrumbs deserving of being followed, but for whatever reason, I thought it might be a good idea, based upon a hunch and a couple of red flags, to take a closer look at Lewis West rather than the others. And this is what I found. Lewis West was infamous for allegedly killing an elephant with LSD, and also for his work in MK Ultra. Why am I not surprised? Upon closer inspection, West worked directly under Sidney Gottlieb, CIA head of MK Ultra. Again, not surprised. Almost from the very moment that I decided to do a keyword search on the name, Colonel Lewis Jolyon West, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that the man who visited Jack Ruby's cell was an MK Ultra provocateur, and therefore a breadcrumb worth following. If I decided to write an entire paper on the name, indeed, not only one but multiple papers, it is because Colonel West is a spreader of breadcrumbs. When it comes to psyops, he's like the Johnny Appleseed of breadcrumbs. Over the following so many minutes of your life, and next week as well, as well as the following two weeks, we will stumble upon so many breadcrumb trails that we cannot possibly follow them all. Another conclusion I quickly came to is that Colonel Lewis West was little different than the plotline to the life of Forrest Gump. Before it's over, you shall see why. In the movie Forrest Gump, we are led to believe that Gump's life is represented by a feather tumbling through the wind. As the feather, Gump hands himself over to a carefree existence whereas the American Dream and Manifest Destiny via the Gold Rush hoax is carved out by intuition and happenstance. Forrest Gump is a movie about movement, constant movement. If you're paying attention, every leading character is handicapped. Forrest can't run, Lieutenant Dan has no legs, and Jenny can't fly. Eventually, they all overcome those handicaps hence capitalism and free enterprise and the human spirit and so on, but the deeper context of the movie is that everything happening within Forrest Gump's framework is on par with evolution. Which is to say, it's both strictly archaic and organic. Life has no meaning except what happiness one can personally identify, specifically how one defines it. Nihilism, that sort of thing. The plotline to Toy Story 3 is similar in those regards. Keep in mind, this is coming from Robert Zemeckis, the same director who gave us the Back to the Future trilogy. Zemeckis not only tells us how they pulled off the post-Mudflood history hoax, but repeatedly slapped 9-11 predictive programming in our face. Stop and consider everyone that Gump meets along the way. The narrative only works with routine visits from Polio, Elvis, John F. Kennedy, Abby Hoffman, the Black Panthers, Richard M. Nixon, Watergate, the happy face emoji guy, Johnny Carson, John Lennon, and hippies. They're all spooks. Also, the plot involves stock and Apple because Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump knew something before anybody else did. He had insider knowledge on how the world really worked, which is to say the earth isn't spinning on its axis at all. All quote unquote movement is a media creation via the God we worship, television. In the real world, Forrest Gump wouldn't simply be a spook. He would be the puppet master, pulling the strings of every spook he met along the way. Playing the part of the feather in the Forrest Gump movie sounded like a fun experiment. Just blow with the breeze, see where the narrative leads me, 
a few added minutes of carefree digging into the name, and I quickly discovered that Lewis West's work was funded by the CIA. So, spook. If you commit to a Google image search of the colonel, it's so obvious we're gazing into the sort of face which declares you're being screwed with. West knows some stuff. Serious stuff. But only because he's read from the script. This is the sort of face which claims you only know what they want you to know about West's part in mind control because it's all intended to lead to a series of dead ends. Everything you thought you knew about the MK Ultra program is a carefully crafted lie. Like the second shooter or the magic bullet theory. Also, a high quality image of the Colonel is presently for sale with Getty Images, celebrating 25 years. Get your own copy today. Are there any other questions? You probably have many. Let's get to it then. The Wikipedia has the man who would later visit Jack Ruby in a prison cell, rising up from an impoverished family in Madison, Wisconsin, and with nothing to show for it. But not before first being born in Brooklyn, New York, to Ukrainian Jewish immigrants, both of whom taught piano for a living. There it is. Wink wink. With the outbreak of the war in 1941, we next see West climbing through the ranks of the Army Air Force and emerging in 1946 as a full-fledged colonel. I probably should have mentioned that West was born on October 6, 1924. He would have only been two months over 17 when the war broke out and still living in a household of impoverished, piano-playing Jews. This would place his achievement in the rank of colonel at the age of 22 and with no college degree to springboard from. How did Ukrainians come up with the surname West? It was in the Army Specialized Training Program that he studied at the University of Iowa and the University of Minnesota School of Medicine and would not graduate until 1948. But again, he's already a colonel. Lest we forget, I am playing the part of a feather, drifting carefree through the film reel of history, blowing with the breeze of the official narrative and not understanding how any of this is organic. Perhaps we shall discover more clarity elsewhere. Let's move on. If you're following along in the article, then you can plainly see General Douglas MacArthur, who followed up his 33-degree Freemason campaign that was the war by having the time of his life during its less popular spinoff, the Korean War. He has the grin of a MacArthur. We should probably try hard not to imagine Colonel West sitting around doing the same. Why I brought this up, I don't know. You tell me. Perhaps it's because everything we've been told about North Korea is a lie and Kim Jong-un looks like he lives on a CIA-sponsored movie set. It is during the Eisenhower administration when West, then an Air Force doctor at Lackland Air Force Base, was appointed to a panel to discover why 36 of 59 airmen captured in the Korean War had either confessed or cooperated in Korean allegations of war crimes committed by the United States. Say it ain't so. Apparently, the common consensus was that the airmen had been brainwashed or drugged because America could not possibly be involved in war crimes. Cough and Frank Cough. West, however, came to a simpler conclusion. He said, and I quote, What we found enabled us to rule out drugs, hypnosis, or other mysterious trickery. It was just one device used to confuse, bewilder, and torment our men until they were ready to confess to anything. That device was prolonged, chronic loss of sleep. In recap, Air Force pilots lied and said America had committed war crimes due to a lack of sleep. This is what we're going with. 
It is only because of West's conclusions, we are further told, that the airmen avoided being court-martialed. If you're beginning to detect a theme that a dirt-poor Brooklyn-born Jew with a fake last name was handed a high-ranking officer's badge and then given the Academy Award-winning line in an intelligence-backed media-scripted movie, then you are a very observant feather. What this means is, West's career is already off to a phenomenal start. He is combining psychology and the untapped potential of the human mind with the ongoing campaign against any notion that Langley's preference is for psychological war games and propaganda. He's essentially the spokesperson in the movie, Thank You for Smoking, who goes on to talk shows convincing people that smoking is actually good for you, and then jumpstarts a new career going on to talk shows convincing people that cell phones are good for you. So right away, we know guys like West are going places. We next find West committed to his psychiatry residency at Cornell University, an MKUltra beehive and the site of the CIA-funded Human Ecology Fund. They'll make all sorts of excuses for his winning lines in the Korea movie script, but here they're not even hiding it. By the time he was appointed a professor and head of the Department of Psychiatry, Neurology, and Biobehavioral Sciences at the University of Oklahoma, West was a subcontractor for MKUltra, officially receiving a $20,800 grant by the CIA. At the age of 29, Wiki adds, he was the youngest man to have held a chairmanship in psychiatry in the United States so far. Do you see what they're doing here? They're freely admitting to his part in Langley's war against the human mind, but trying desperately to make it sound like we're the audience in a Forrest Gump movie, watching a feather blow past the church steeple. Before you even think to claim, aha, at the admitted fact that West was a central figure in the MKUltra program, the narrative makes it known that MKUltra was a complete failure on every front. So, officially speaking, you still have nothing. To complicate matters, we would not even come to know that Project MKUltra existed until after the CIA shut it down. Emphasis is my own. Because only the name was shut down. The CIA loves to rub the continued program in our faces. They dangle MKUltra pet projects and prodigies in the persons of Katy Perry, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Macaulay Culkin, Taylor Swift, Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson, blah blah blah, and others in front of us, but only as a gaslighting technique. To make conspiracy theorists, a phrase which they ironically coined, sound crazy for believing in the program's continued existence. Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, is the person responsible for hitting up MKUltra and plotting assassinations for the CIA. He corresponded with West under the name Sherman R. Grifford. Gottlieb has said on record that his decades of mind control work for the agency was useless. So there you go. If you actually believe they accomplished anything, then you've been fact-checked by Snopes. There is absolutely nothing to see here. No curtains needing pulled back. Everything is organic and as natural as free enterprise in the breeze of a Forrest Gump movie. Why are you still here? Stop sticking your nose where it doesn't belong and go about your business like a good boy. Again, everything we're told about MKUltra comes to us after the fact, which is to say the program is discontinued and everything it attempted was a complete failure. America wins. And no, I am not trying to program you. If you find yourself twitching over the keyboard, it may be because you're in need of more reprogramming, just not by me. They have TV shows for that. Better get back to Netflix binge watching. 
That is not my department, as I am only here to unplug you from the Matrix. During the 1950s and early 1960s, Colonel West performed experiments on, quote unquote, unwitting subjects, both at Lackland Base's Wilford Hall Medical Facility and the University of Oklahoma. His tactics included LSD, hypnosis, isolation, and sleep deprivation. If you're paying attention, this is what we call blame shifting. West accused Korea of sleep deprivation when in fact he was depriving others of sleep. Also, his volunteers didn't know what was actually involved in his experiments. Or for what end. Repeat that last sentence over and over again and then think about the television god. Imagine yourself turning on the television and then think some more about the experiments being played upon you. Now it is time to turn to another American landmark reminiscent of a Forrest Gump movie. Our next stop, the street corners of Haight and Ashbury. But first, Tusco the Elephant. In August of 1962, West attempted to investigate the phenomenon of must by dosing Tusco the Elephant with LSD. Tusco died. The August 4th edition of The Daily Oklahoman shows West bending over a deceased Tusco. For the record, I did not know what must is and so decided to look it up. I am so very glad that I did. If anything, the unexpected cosmology is educational. So pay attention. The definition reads, must, noun, a condition of heightened aggression and unpredictable behavior occurring annually in certain male animals, especially elephants and camels, in association with a surge in testosterone level equivalent to the rutting season of deer and some other mammals. As it turns out, must is very important to understanding the MKUltra program, but only as they present it in the official narrative. It is Dr. Sidney Gottlieb who wanted to create Manchurian candidates through means by which unwitting suspects would not know or find out, and though you might conclude that Tusco didn't even know what hit him, even the Tusco story was spun in their favor. The Oklahoma elephant is a purposely placed decoy. Misinformation a false flag event. Tusco is the second shooter all over again, a psyop within a psyop. They will have us likewise conclude that Gottlieb was eventually successful in turning a hippie with the testosterone of an Indian bull elephant into a crazed killer. That's nonsense, since Charlie Manson and his family didn't kill anyone. It was all a hoax. Another important detail of West's life, which I repeatedly stumbled upon in my web searches, is a research paper funded by the MKUltra program entitled The Psychophysiological Studies of Hypnosis and Suggestibility. There is a specific line written therein wherein West quotes, It has been found to be feasible to take the memory of a definite event in the life of an individual and, through hypnotic suggestion, bring about the subsequent conscious recall to the effect that this event never actually took place, but that a different fictional event actually did occur. What Wes is essentially saying here is that the replacing of true memories with false ones and human beings without their knowledge is deemed entirely possible. In a 1963 address to a psychiatric association in Oregon, and only months before the Kennedy hoax, Wes even went so far as to boast, we are at the dawning of a new era, learning for the first time to produce temporary mental derangement in the laboratory. He then went on to reference the use of LSD, sleep deprivation, and hypnosis to produce 
temporary mental illness effects in normal people, hence Korea or your typical episode of MASH all over again. Perhaps this is why Wiki simply informs us that Wes performed a highly controversial psychiatric evaluation of Jack Ruby in his jail cell and then moves on. That's because the Wikipedia wants you to thirst for more. They want you to think Wiki is trying to cover their tracks. They want you to connect the dots between Tusco and Jack Ruby, resulting in a cartoonist light bulb illuminating your skull, wherein Jack Ruby is the result of LSD, sleep deprivation, and hypnosis. They want you to conclude that Jack Ruby was one of West wind-up toys, like Lee Harvey Oswald whom he killed, whereas both were given a gun and then perfectly placed in a crowd so that their unconscious lab-controlled efforts were perfectly executed and went off without a hitch. Only conspiracy theorists will take the bait. Nearly everyone else will accept West's conclusions that Ruby was suffering from major mental illness, thereby narrowing down Ruby's possible motives. But even the bait is a dead end, because Jack Ruby, like Lee Harvey Oswald, Abraham Zapruder, the Lady in Red, the Babushka Lady, and the Newman family, was an actor. They were all actors. If you perform a Google image search for the Hate and Ashbury Free Medical Clinic in the Summer of Love, you will find a picture of scared and confused people, young people, socially designed, CIA-approved, people under 30, hippies. The decade is the 60s. The scene is Hayden Ashbury in San Francisco, probably 1967, the summer of love. They are probably listening to The Grateful Dead or Jefferson Airplane or perhaps the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album. Who really knows? But even more important to The Feathers' journey, which we are on, we are appearing into the Haight and Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, or HAFMC, if you're into acronyms. Wouldn't you know, Colonel West arrived to San Francisco in 1966 to study the burgeoning hippie movement. If you think this is only a coincidence, then you should probably know his arrival was to promote something called the Haight Ashbury Project. Putting this in slightly different terms, Haight Ashbury would not become a household name until after Colonel West hate Ashbury Project, or HAP, because West was apparently into acronyms. Try not to let cognitive dissonance win the day. HAP was funded by the Foundation's Fund for Research in Psychiatry Incorporated, another educated sounding and rather bland title for a CIA front. But it gets even better because West needed subjects for his HAP project. He needed young people, young people under 30. He needed hippies. He therefore took an office at the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. Small world. The official narrative loves to advertise Haight-Ashbury as an organic and experimental endeavor of the hippie generation. Evolutionary even. Whereas magic and mythology was circumstantially blended with artistic ingenuity and then furthermore confined to a signpost within the frail futility of spiritual time when we know Robert Zemeckis lied to us about the feather. There is no such thing. The Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic was, in West's own words, a laboratory disguised as a hippie crash pad. Emphasis is my own, but the emphasis is unneeded. He's just given it all away. Kind of makes me wonder if the circulated picture of the young scared people under 30 sitting around in the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic are simply actors, because that's exactly the sort of thing which the CIA-owned media commits themselves to investing in their own work. Perhaps they are West students and only pretending to be hippies. 
But more importantly, we wouldn't even know about hippies without the CIA and the work of men like Colonel West, architects of the MK Ultra program. I decided to do some further digging. The precursor to West's Hate Ashbury project was another MKUltra-funded project tied Mass Conversion. Once again, headed up by West and funded by Gottlieb, hence the CIA. Mass Conversion used informants to infiltrate street gangs in Oklahoma, hoping to engineer a shift in basic moral, religious, or political matters. If you're capable of reading between the lines, then you've hopefully already concluded that the CIA was providing street drugs and creating street gangs. Because that's what the CIA does. They create everything and sell it to us as something organic. Evangelical America cries, Oh my God, look at all the street drugs and the street gangs and the street hippies, while trusting the CIA, much as cattle would, on their way to the butcher. Here's another juicy tidbit I discovered along the way. West Hate Ashbury Project bears an uncanny resemblance to an infamous MK Ultra experiment called Operation Midnight Climax. You can probably utilize your imagination on this one. The CIA set up brothels throughout San Francisco and the Bay Area, also New York City. If your mind just now wandered towards a homosexual experiment in AIDS, both of which arose from the very city, as something which might also be a side project of Langley, then you are correct in your thinking. Is it any coincidence that Ken Casey, Allen Ginsberg, Alan Cohen, Jerry Garcia, Grace Slick, Jimi Hendrix, and other tight wire acts all congregated together at Hayden Ashbury? Nope, 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 and nope. Spooks like Wes didn't arrive just in time for the Summer of Love. They created the Summer of Love. Hate Ashbury was a spook operation from the get-go. Come to think of it, all of San Francisco is a carefully crafted human experiment. And just to make sure Langley's little side project was deemed a success, Wes had graduate students dress up as hippies to roam the streets. We are told they were there simply to examine the behavior of actual hippies, when in fact they were probably the only hippies which the press cared to photograph, because that's precisely how the fabricated world spins on its axis. Earlier, you were warned that any number of names might be mentioned at the drop of a hat, each of which led away down breadcrumb trails of their own. Such honorable mentions were just dropped. Ken Casey was a spook, but he deserves his own paper. Another name worth the devotion of an entire paper is Alan Ginsberg. He was a New Jersey-born Jew. Wink. Casey and Ginsberg are connected in that they were both part of the beatnik psyop. Alan Cohen, founder of the San Francisco Oracle, was a Brooklyn-born Jew. Wink, wink. Here's another name probably worthy of an article all its own. Grace Slick. But since I have not afforded the time to investigate the details surrounding her rather interesting career path, we shall have to dip our heads down that rabbit hole another time. Post-edit, I've now afforded the time and written an entire article about Grace Slick, which you can read about on Cosmology. It's called The Children of Cain and Grace Slick. Since I don't intend to write a paper on Jimi Hendrix, we shall at least alleviate some of the tension. Hendrix lived in the spacious mansion just north of the log cabin on Laurel Avenue Boulevard when Vito Palikas, Captain Fuck, and their family of freakers, precursors to the Manson family, resided there. Although he rarely spoke of it, Hendrix had served a stint in the U.S. Army with the 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell. His official records indicate that he was forced into service by the courts and then released after just one year, the reason being that he was a poor soldier. 
By Hendrix's own account of things, he was given a medical discharge for breaking an ankle during a parachute jump, but no such records have ever been discovered. Truth of the matter is, Jimi Hendrix is a dime a dozen tale. We have seen his kind before, military dropouts or children pimped out from parents in military intel and then become counterculture provocateurs. I will once again refer you to my papers on Jim Morrison and the Mamas and the Papas. Rock and Roll was brought to us by the same people who were behind the Bay of Pigs and Gulf of Tonkin hoax. Also, the mystery religions, because that's all we're ever given, the illusion of choice. Before moving on in the life of Colonel Lewis West, and believe me, there is still so much more to come, we need to take another close glance at the Haight-Ashbury Medical Free Clinic, where we have already established that West resided. You see, as part of the Haight-Ashbury project, and I realize now that I hadn't thought to mention it, West set up fake crash pads for hippies. This is precisely how they pulled the Summer of Love off. Sure, a bunch of spoiled rich white children, many of whom were enrolled at Berkeley, showed up for the event, hoping to get laid. But has anyone checked room and board prices in San Francisco? Yeah, looks like Langley was pocketing the rent. Finally, Haight-Ashbury is starting to make some sense. In fact, a whole lot of it. Langley provided the drugs, the hippies, the music, and the crash pads. Only the easily brainwashed need apply. In a 1965 article titled The Dangers of Hypnosis, published only one year before showing up to the height, West predicted that crackpots might hypnotize their followers into committing violence. By 1967, West began warning about the rise of LSD cults, arguing that the drug would aid the youth's desire for shared, forbidden activity in a group setting to provide a sense of belonging. Perhaps you already know where I'm going with this. Frequent visitors to West Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic was none other than Charles Manson and his family.